0: Hi, I'm Curtis Herbert.
1: I'm Alice Zhao.
0: And I'm Jelly, a.k.a. Daniel Farrelly. And this is Independence, a show where the three of us talk about our efforts to tread water in the App Store and hopefully make a living while we're <laughs> at it. So this week I wanted to kind of explore a commonality the three of us share with our current business models, because I know that we've all had some changes over the years, but freemium. And I want to explore that a little bit because I think Apple's been leaning into freemium a lot more. They certainly did in the past, you know, when they launched in-app purchases back in what, iOS 4? fine. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. When they launched in app purchases, we started to see freemium be a thing. Uh you'd either see apps that were free up front with consumables started to become really popular, or you saw like the paymiums where you'd have paid up front and uh paid to unlock some additional features like filter packs or something in a camera mm-hmm. app. But with subscriptions, they're certainly leaning a lot more into freemium nowadays. You know, just recently, well, not just recently, within the last year or so, they launched introductory pricing and free trials and all kinds of stuff, specifically around subscriptions, not the app itself. Yep. There's no free trials in the App Store. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. That's a <laughs> ship that's never going to come. Moment of silence for free trials. <laughs> oh, it's not that's sad, <laughs> honestly. But <laughs> they're leaning more and more into it, and we've certainly embraced it. And I, I think it's a really interesting topic. So let's dive really quick into just making sure our listeners are on the same page about kind of what our experience with freemium has been.
1: So with the original Gus on the Go, we were, you know, we went straight into paid up front and at that time, we thought it was a good model cuz we were making okay money or what we thought was like this super upward trajectory. Sure. But then we were always wondering like are we missing just so many downloads and so much exposure because we were paid up front? And so that was the catalyst into launching our second app as Freemium. And that is obviously free to download with two, it includes two stories and the stories have a lot of vocabulary in it. And then you can unlock two additional stories or each of those are individual in-app purchases, each story. And those are at a $1.99 each.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. My approach has not been dissimilar. Like I started with paid upfront because I mean, everybody did back in the day. And I mean, that worked out perfectly fine. But when... Oh, it worked out fine for you? Oh, that must have been nice. Well, I mean, it worked out okay. Like <laughs> or it was, seemed okay. It was fine. Like, it seemed You're fine. You paid something. Yeah. But, like, I, I saw people moving into, uh, in, in, into like, the freemium style model. And I didn't necessarily feel like I could make that work with with my first app. But when I started working on GIF Wrapped, freemium felt like the right approach not just because it was the cool thing to do but also like it's a it's a gif app <laughs> like it, yeah. it, it felt like it was going to be a difficult sell to try and like literally to try and get yeah. people to buy up front an app for collecting gifs and so freemium seemed like the way to go and i did uh i had ads and the purchase that you made basically removed those ads and that was how i approached it it was pretty it's pretty common approach and over time i sort of added more of those things um i added more options and each additional premium quote feature that i added basically got its own in-app purchase that got to i think i ended up with a bunch of them including a like a buy everything unlock and then recently with the kind of uptick in subscriptions i wondered if that was more of a way to go especially because I could see that sales were not going to be sustainable. Like there was no way that I was going to be able to make things sustainable just by making non-price related changes. And so subscription seemed like the obvious route to go, which is why I sort of went it. And uh, that's what I'm using these days.
0: And I mean, again, it seems to be doing okay. (laughs) (laughs) i wonder what future jelly is gonna say when he listens back to this episode in four years he's gonna say what future jelly always says about past jelly god that guy is an idiot
1: (laughs) i don't think anyone looks back and be like that guy was so smart yeah Yeah, no especially at least not with business i don't think
0: (laughs) yeah yeah so Slopes had a similar trajectory that you two had, except Jelly, uh, it, my paid up front attempts were not that fruitful. Uh, I remember the first season I made like 1500 hours or something like that. As you were kind of alluding to with gift wrapped, it's a lot harder to make the sale. Yeah. And I think this is why people were demanding free trials for apps themselves, mm-hmm. because people want to download and try them. Yep. And trying to sell Slopes at a premium, <laughs> premium, cute, price of $8 <laughs> Uh, just based on five screenshots and some text that nobody reads yeah. uh, was just an insurmountable challenge. And I spent way too much time arguing with potential customers about just trust me, it's worth it. So, yeah, that was 2013 to 2015. And then 2015, I decided, hey, freemium seems cool. I can make the sale on my own term in my app. I can kind of customize things Uh, like Alice, you're giving away two free stories. Um, I give away one of the screens after you record your day. I give that away for free all the time because it's kind of the high level data. And then if you want to dig in and get analytics and nice maps and 3D view and a bunch of the cool features I've added over the years, that's behind the paywall. And that let me make the sale on my own term. Uh, which was a lot more powerful. And going free up front is huge in that regard. And then the paywall itself, I've been doing subscriptions since 2015 and uh, early 2016, I added consumables to augment that. And those would just be day passes or trip passes so you can unlock a chunk of time versus having to subscribe for a year. And then this season, actually about a month ago, I shipped a replacement to the trip pass, which is just you buy a bundle of day passes. Mm. Uh, so the the vote is out on how that's going to work yet. But I'm hoping that works pretty well. So, yeah, I've kind of been all over the gamut of playing with that stuff. And I don't know about YouTube, but I've been enjoying freemium. Like I feel like short of somehow getting some magical change to the app store that would let me massively customize my sales page and do all kinds of things like that. Even that wouldn't be enough. Like there's I found like there's nothing like being able to have the user download my app and start playing around with it. And that's what the user wants to do. They just want to tap yet. They don't want to read all that text. They want to play with it and see what it feels like really quick.
1: I can't say we were were enjoying premium. I mean, I I think the possibilities are there. And I think the biggest problem with uh, our Gus Two or stories app was that it was the structure of the app or the structure of the content, I should say, mm. where I think it's m- much easier to convince a parent that like, okay, if you, if you spend X amount of money, you will get X amount of vocabulary words. And we were selling them as individual stories. And while there's vocabulary in there to learn and a whole lot of features, I don't think we we're convincing them enough that that's worth it. The dollar 99. And so uh, it, it has not been a runaway success. But in terms of download numbers, sure, if I look back for the last six or seven years, if you're combining, you know, the 30 languages, we're at about 100,000 paid up front downloads. But if you're looking at the last couple of years for just four languages um, under freemium, uh, we're at 250,000. So, I it, it mean, the numbers in terms of exposure, sure, maybe that's yeah really great for us. But the, our conversion rate for the in-app purchases have just been dismal.
2: I don't think you're alone in that. Honestly, like, I mean, GifWrapped gets tons of downloads and I feel like it's easy to get those downloads. Yeah. Like, yeah. I haven't had to do a lot of work in that space, but the work that I am finding that I really need to put in with GifWrapped is into the conversion itself. Like yeah. getting people who have downloaded the app and played around with it to purchase. And the approach that you take with that, I think is very dependent on what you're creating. Yeah, yeah for sure. Because the approach that I took was that I had basically three individual in-app purchases for, if I can remember what they are, removing ads, adding the ability to like save searches and stuff like that um, and do more with that sort of st- stuff, and then more information. Like I would pull out information out of the GIF and display it to you, like the frame rate and stuff like that. Individually... Those probably got more downloads and especially the remove ads. Like, tons of people wanted the remove ads. Not a lot of people want the ability to, like, see how many, what their frame rate is. Yeah. I could see that. So, that didn't really sell well in comparison to to removing ads. And the one-time unlock, like, that tended to get the most sales, which is good but also kind of bad because what I really wanted was for everybody to buy the individual, all of the individual ones and then continue buying more individual ones as they went on. So the approach that I was taking was bad and I was seeing good signs in some places and not so good signs in other places. So I think I I really think it comes down to like having an understanding of what your user is trying to get out of your app Mm -hmm. and then sort of selling to that. And
0: so, yeah, I don't really feel like you're alone. Like it's hard.
1: Good. Yeah. <laughs> we can cry together.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's definitely one of the things I've learned about freemium is it takes a lot of iteration and a lot of playing with things and seeing what works, what doesn't work, and really learning your market. And actually, Jelly, I thought of it while you were talking. It's it's interesting how you approached Gift Wrapped early on where you were hoping to keep selling new features to people as unlocks, new premium features. And those were each one-time purchases. That's almost like how paid upfront software works. Like you're trying to sell them a 2.0 based on a shiny new feature or two. Mm -hmm. And then you're trying to sell them a 3.0 on a shiny new feature or two. And the long tail for that just ends up being like a lot of people might buy your version one or your version two, but eventually you get good enough and those additional features that you add in, not always, but you kind of, you're working off a long tail of features that are going to be huge for less and less people.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I've, I certainly think that the move to bundling them all up into a subscription, where basically each time you subscribe, you are like each time your subscription renews, you are paying again for whatever new features I've produced in the last year, effectively. Like, it's no different, except that I was trying to do that on an individual level. Like, I would have to, instead of just, like, you getting the feature and then paying again, and then, like, sort of it continuing to be amazing, and you getting all of those features and that sort of being a nice sort of thing, I had to convince. Every time I came up with something, I would have to convince you. It's like, okay, well, I've added this brand new feature, and it's really cool and good. You should get it and like really then just sort of hope that people would actually convert
0: plus you'd have to advertise to them somehow like you'd have to like make them aware of the new feature and Mm -hmm. make sure that you're doing enough stuff in app to be like hey look at the shiny new feature you should give me money yeah versus subscriptions where you're kind of like unless they cancel right away like they subscribed and they know they're going to be charged again in a year so they can just decide then like oh look Jelly's been working hard on all these new features and I still enjoy the app. So I'm just going to keep throwing money at it. Like it's not as difficult of a sale as your individual features were.
2: Yeah. And that has been the biggest uh, improvement in subscriptions for me. I've, I think I've mentioned like at least once on the show that the move to subscriptions for me hasn't been like a game changer in that I'm suddenly making you know more money. I'm not. I'm making almost exactly the same amount of money. Yeah. The good news has been that even though the money at the moment is all exactly the same, once those subscriptions start to renew, which they're yeah. all they're all annual, so they're going to take a little yeah. while before that happens. But I know that pain. <laughs> but once those subscriptions start to renew, like it goes it goes up and suddenly mm-hmm. like my Outlook is so much, so much better.
0: Yeah, you don't have to hope to sell a new in-app purchase per user every year. Yeah, like you had to under your old model. And just the
1: fact that you you didn't drop in sales is, I think, is like a huge feat. Like that could have gone another way. Yeah, And that's actually, I think it's just amazing in itself. It has been impressive. Good job. You don't have to cry anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you didn't tank your business model. Like that is really impressive moving to subscriptions and you're able a couple months later to say, I'm making the same amount of money. Yeah, Like that's a really strong start. And now you're in the recurring revenue game, which is gangbusters. Speaking as somebody in the recurring revenue (laughs) game since 2015, (laughs) you're going to like it over here. It's a lot easier sometimes.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I still feel like I need to improve my conversion rates and improve oh, sure. those numbers of yeah getting people to purchase things. And that's where I, I have a bunch of stuff that I'm I'm wanting to do in the f- in the future to sort of do that and to sort of step up that game.
0: So what's worked well for you two in terms of that conversion rate?
1: <laughs> I'm only laughing because it's just been sad because it. <laughs> so the the thing is like so we because the in-app purchase downloads were just so dismal it's really hard for us to be like let's spend more time yeah. like on this where if i put in even if i doubled sales it's nothing so do i really want to put in all my effort to double almost nothing i don't know like and I, that's like so that was kind of like our huge block of um not iterating very quickly or at all <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you were kind of stuck, like you said, because essentially the content that you were selling was not what the customer was expecting. Like you were selling stories when they expected vocabulary, and that was making your sales process a lot harder yeah. to the parents.
1: And sometimes I forget the basics of what we were originally going for. So like, <laughs> our idea was that we would just roll out stories yeah. very quickly and be like, well, look at all these new in-app purchases they can buy. Um, I mean, that sounds sure. logical, right? Until you have to write a story, you have to illustrate it. And then you have to put it all together. I had the fifth story <laughs> at least halfway prepared. And then at some point we we're like, even if we added that fifth story, what are we going to make from that? Like, is it yeah. worth it? And and I think we were hitting our burnout At that time, and we're like, okay, forget it. Let's just put it off. And then, you know, Apple came in and was like, "Hey, by the way, you can't add anything new until you put it all in one app."
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's kind of nice because Apple kind of killed your business for you. No, thank you, Apple. I love that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It helped
2: so much. Apple. (laughs) It it sounds to me like you had a similar problem of what I had in that. Every story has to be something that the user wants, like mm-hmm. something that they want enough to be able to to fork over money for it, mm-hmm. and mine was like I needed to be able to create a feature that everybody wanted to pay for right. and that's hard, yeah. You know, yeah creating that stuff is is difficult. Especially when, when you're going down the wrong path, like committing to that path even more is not going to help you. Exactly. <laughs> if people aren't enjoying stories, making more stories isn't going to make them enjoy them. The stories will continue until morale <laughs> improves. <laughs> so so what, you've, what you should do is make them pay for the t- stories to stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God.
1: One time, get rid of all stories now. <laughs> yeah. It's like the ads. So
2: like the ads feature yeah Yeah. (laughs) exactly
1: no honestly like I really love that product and I think the people who actually used it to its fullest extent also love it it just was a hard sell so that is a lot of what our problem was it didn't appeal to the masses I guess or like they didn't get it right away
2: yeah and I I mean I had the same problem like at least a couple of my in-app purchases they just didn't seem that worth it to people. And I think some people bought mm. them because, I don't know, they felt like they wanted to collect all of them or something. I don't know. <laughs> it was a game. <laughs> like, they did get purchased by at least a handful of people, but they weren't purchased by nearly as many people as I had initially thought that they would. And, I mean, it partly came down to, like, I just didn't I didn't push them enough, maybe. But also, I just I really feel like they weren't the right features. Mm. I was trying to charge for something that people didn't really care for at all and so it became difficult to actually uh to follow that i think the move to subscriptions for me was good in that it was basically a consolidation like it was yeah it was like i'm gonna get rid of all of this extra cruft and it's all exactly the same stuff i shipped like maybe one new premium feature when i shipped subscriptions but other than that it was all the same same ones and it seems like that was key in that like the features that people don't care for, they get them anyway, but they still get the ones that they do care for. It's just, it yeah. makes sense.
0: It feels like they're getting a good value. They're like, oh, I get all this stuff. And even if they don't use half of it, they're still getting it. And they that's a perceived value when at the same time you're only asking them to make one purchase yeah, decision. Exactly. So it doesn't feel like you're nickeling and diming them. Mm-hmm. It's just like, look at all the stuff I get.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: And that's easier. And it's easier for me. It's easier for me because I just yeah. have to
2: like make one flag effectively to say, if you have paid for this, then you get it. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I, So I really feel like the the key the key to making freemium work and work well is understanding what your users want and what your users will want enough to pay for.
0: Yeah, Uh, I agree. It's such an important distinction that you don't get until you have the aha moment about your product. Like before I went subscription, I never thought of locking down my detailed analytics screen because every other app gives that away for free. But I realized like that's what the enthusiasts want and would be willing to pay for. Mm -hmm. And that is probably one of my big drivers still of getting that conversion rate up is people want that data. And it's really easy as a developer to sit there and be like, no, I know the market and yeah, I'll just make these like really cool features like AR and 3D and all these things. And like, those are the ones that will drive it. And you really have to understand your market and what they're, what is going to feel like a pain point to them Yeah, that they're going to be like, okay, I'm going to pay for it. Just like, you know, removing ads. That's a pain point for a lot of people. And that's why the removing ads in-app purchase was so popular because it worked and and it
2: had the bonus of like people were making some money even when they weren't purchasing it like it that it had that sort of bonus
1: unfortunately gus can't do that or we chose not to do it we wanted to keep it higher quality for kids
0: he's saying saying mine is low quality yeah
1: yeah you heard that's exactly (laughs) what i said
0: (laughs) so uh, one thing i wanted to try though that i have been hearing has been working very well and there's been some discussion online because right now in the app store it can be abused and i think apple's starting to put some policies in place but specifically around free trials and some of the drama online has been apps abusing this system where they don't really On the button where you start your free trial, Uh, they don't tell you how much it's going to cost afterwards or like the skip button or the close button for that screen is hidden. And they would charge like $200 a year or something. So scam apps were coming out and basically like getting people to opt into like $100 a month subscriptions for weather or something like that. And it's fortunately getting some attention, at least online, and I hope Apple's paying attention at this point. But the people who are doing it legitimately with free trials seem to be having some good success with that just based on some conversations I've had with other developers offline. It seems like having a free trial in your app is great because it gives you the kind of what we wanted with the app store of hey, just let a user download the app and try it. And then I charge them nine bucks if they want to keep the app around. Mm -hmm. It kind of has all the advantages of that without a lot of complication slopes or like Gus2 had to do where you're giving some away for free. But then you're holding some stuff back and worrying about that. Like you can kind of lock down the entire app at that point. Or you can be smart about it. A friend of the show, Joe Chaplinski and his app Recaf, uh, he did free trials. And he does give away a little bit for free, even if you're still in non-paid mode. The cool parts about the app are behind the paywall. Uh, But it's still like if you can get users using your app. That's always a good thing, even in free mode. And that's kind of how I view it. Like I'd rather have them as a customer for, you know, a couple of years in free mode and hope that I can eventually convert them versus lock down the entire app and say like, oh, well, your trial expired. Too bad. See ya. Yeah. And then they're never going to be a customer. But free trials are something that I wish I could look into, but with Slopes, a time-based free trial just isn't going to work. Because if you go on one ski trip a year, yeah, it's... yeah going to So I have to do correctly. other things. But one thing uh, that has been working for me is trying to advertise my premium offerings in the app itself and actually proactively advertising it, not just leaving it buried under the about screen or something like that. And I actually spent a lot of time over the summer going through with a fine tooth comb and kind of improving that process massively as best as I could to upsell and make the language friendlier and nicer and happier and colorful icons and all those things. And that's been good. And just looking at some of my analytics to throw some numbers in the game, I have a screen that comes up. And when you try and look at a day's detailed data and it's under lockdown mode, I advertise the service and prompt you to learn more and read stuff. And then also on your first day, I give you a little tease of the analytics mode. You can play with it and just Apple maps instead of the nice maps. It has a little banner at the bottom, like prompting you to upgrade to get the 3D mountains and all that. And I see 20 to 30%, somewhere in there, of people who are viewing the premium services modal that comes up that tells you all about the slopes premium. 20% of them came from these in app advertisement things I'm scattering around versus coming through from the about screen. Or coming through from the my account screen where it says, "Hey, you should buy premium," but like actually sprinkling it around as they use the app has upped that number a lot, and that's been really helpful for me.
2: Yeah, I've been doing similar stuff with Gift Wrapped for a long time because part of trying to sell individual in-app purchases meant like having to call out those individual in-app purchases, yeah, where they were most appropriate. When I moved to the Gift Wrapped premium banner. I basically combined all of those into similar calls in that trying to get people to buy the the subscription instead. And I don't have any numbers because I don't track them. (laughs) Maybe I should. (laughs) You should. But I, I, I really do feel like that is part of what has made the move to subscriptions work at least as well as it had before. I still think I have a lot to improve in that area. I, I still hide stuff because I'm hesitant to be a little selly. Selly? Salesy. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> I'm the same way. And so I, I'm still trying things. But I, one of the things that I decided I would try is that, I, mean, I mentioned before, wrapped has ads, like honest to God, like proper ads in the free mode. And I had noticed probably because I've basically disabled anything that was Horrifyingly like user trackiness ish. That's the word. Anything that was like super creepy, I, I have disabled in my ads software. So I was seeing less ads o- overall. Sure. Which isn't necessarily good when you're trying to get people to like purchase a subscription to remove those ads. So one of the things that I decided <laughs> to do to round that out was I have in house ads oh, for GIF Wrapped <laughs> that run anytime that basically anytime there's nothing else. Which is not an insignificant amount of time. Like it's probably thirteen percent of the time, apparently.
0: But you don't have any click through data on that. Well,
2: I have click through data, but I can't tell you like how many of those clicks then turned into sales. Like oh, okay. in the last month, I've had about seventy three people click through those ads, uh, which isn't bad. I would I think given that they're basically free, <laughs> like, uh, and it just basically means that I'm I'm both doing the thing of like. Trying to get people to, uh, you know, tr- trying to annoy people enough that they purchase a subscription <laughs> to remove the ads, and also like that it gives them an easy way to see, like, oh, I, you know, there's a, there's a subscription. So clearly, like, it is working. It's it. I, I I feel and I feel like a good improvement, but people are clicking through. So hopefully that also means that they are actually going for the subscription.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing more apps try better inline advertising. Like I noticed, um, Strava was reworking. Some of their activity feed stuff and they just changed all their in-app purchases a couple months ago. So you can now buy like different uh, packs. I've seen a couple fitness apps do this now where you can buy like uh, this analytics pack or like this analytics oh. pack. And like there are cheaper subscriptions or you can buy the whole thing for a bundle. Yeah. Um, and I was noticing in the activity feed, uh, if you scroll down a couple items of your own like history or your friend's history, you'll see an advertisement for I think it's Strava Summit is their in-app purchase like branding now and you'll see an ad for that kind of inline in the activity feed same as you would a Facebook feed and that's been kind of interesting I don't do anything like that yet within my activity feed but like just those trickling of ads throughout your app in a tasteful way Um, I'm like you jelly I don't want to be too y, but (laughs) it's something I'm seeing more apps try and it's it's smart you you can't rely on them to seek out your in-app purchase. You have to put it in yeah. their face at a time that they're probably willing to buy. It. Yes.
1: I feel like, unfortunately, I don't have those options, again, because it is a kid's app. And so I would not be selling to the user um, at any point. But I think what we didn't do in the past was... Really take advantage of having like a parent section. Mm-hmm. I think we kept we kept using the excuse, the excuse that oh we're trying to be as immersive as possible, so there's no text except for the text they're trying to learn, and that worked fine for the kids. But then we definitely had parents email in and just say I don't I don't know what to do, and I'm like, well your kid seems to know what to do. Why are you struggling with this? But <laughs> I think it was it's really important to have those that backup, but also that's the gateway to the actual purchaser, right? And so, yeah. if we were able to finally create like an account or like an apparent account, then that was that would be our real way to upsell or you know communicate with the actual purchaser through email and not necessarily in app
2: i mean i I still feel like you can probably do some things in app. I don't feel like you're entirely separated in the approaches that work well i mean if you if you are really not wanting to put text in, that's going to be a problem. But things like in the case of the stories thing, if you have a bunch of stories and they're sort of there, but they're marked off as being like not available until you pay. Yeah. Like there are ways that's... of basically calling that out within the content, not necessarily making it go straight through to the the purchase screen. Although that sort of stuff is like, there's a lot of stuff in place to make sure that kids aren't just like random mm-hmm. willy-nilly buying mm-hmm. stuff on their yes yeah. accounts now. Like, I I think you can
0: get away with that a lot more than what you could have. I would lean more into it, yeah. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind is that I I think there's definitely a line here that you have to be tasteful and you don't want to become like a Saturday morning cartoon commercial where you're causing me to bug my mom to drive me to Toys R Us relentlessly (laughs) for that new Power Rangers toy that just came out. Uh. But you need to realize that the children are uh, going to be a huge advocate towards getting the parents Very to buy true. the content yeah and if you can somehow like surface that it, not that you're still doing stories but if you're doing stories if you could somehow like give them a tease or give them something that would actually interest them so they go up to their parents and say parent parent I really want this story can you buy it for me like yeah. find a way like think like a book cover like that's how they sell it to kids like you know you see Clifford the red, yep. big red dog on a book and you're like oh I want that book and like that you need to do things like that and expose those in-app purchases during the child part of the app, but make sure that to get through it, you need the parent somehow.
1: Well, so with the third incarnation, as I keep calling it, because we have not figured out what it's going to be actually called, we might experiment with um, free trials and then it would be full purchases of that language. So we're not going to segment the content Like in chunks, but in that makes a lot probably more sense, in language yeah. per language. So if you if you learned enough in a week or however long, and you're progressing far enough, hopefully that should incentivize them to be like, I want to keep going, which is a rare right. occurrence for them for kids to want to be like, I want to learn more. You know, of a language that's right. So that's you know, we're, we have to make it high quality enough, and like kind of showcase that they're actually learning and interested it's like the long the long game i guess
0: <laughs> yeah what well, subscriptions are always the long game yeah yeah yeah
2: i i feel like in this particular instance it's not dissimilar to the conversation that we had about guiding people through change mm. it's better to have stuff displayed with relative prominence in the app consistently to call this stuff out than to sort of hide it away or like show it once and then sort of never again, stuff like that.
0: They have to shake the iPad six times while facing (laughs) north and that unlocks the parent screen. That's exactly
1: my uh, unlock right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's better to call
2: that stuff out and to be very blatant, honestly, about this stuff, about like, okay, you should purchase this. This will make you the app this much better because that's literally the only way that your users are going to be They're not going to know. Well, that's the big thing with freemium
0: is you have to sell. Like, when you're paid up front, you're relying on the App Store product page to do the sale for you. And if you're going freemium, you're taking that responsibility on your own. And you can't just phone in the freemium aspect and say, like, oh, well, it's a free download, and then you pay for it, and I'm done. You now have the responsibility to make the sale in your app. And you have to make (laughs) that sale. And that's something that's gotten me a long time to feel comfortable with, to, you know, sprinkle those things throughout my app. To be like, oh, get Slopes Premium. And do that kind of stuff. Because as a developer, I feel slimy. Like, I just want to give you the app for free. But at the same time, I want to be able to actually, you know, make a living. So, like, it's, you kind of have to force yourself, but you have to make that sale. Like, that's the big thing with Freemium. Like, iterate on what you're doing and how well that sales process is working, which you have to track numbers for, or at least I feel like if you want to get freemium done well, unless you happen to just like stumble upon the perfect thing for your audience, like you have to have some way to measure this and make sure that you're improving. And then you have to sell it. I, I agree in the most
2: part. The thing is, is that with upfront payments and stuff like that, with that sort of like the old school business models, you are doing all of that stuff. You're just doing it external. You're doing websites, right? You might be selling actual ads. You might be Uh, You you might be doing a bunch of other stuff trying to get people to look at the press. And you you probably do a bunch of that
0: anyway. (laughs) Well, no, no, no. If we're going old school here, you probably phoned in the website, you emailed the press one day before your launch, (laughs) and you got your press kit together that morning because you realized you forgot (laughs) your press
2: kit. I mean... (laughs) I didn't have a press kit for like three years or something on gift wrap. So I don't think I'm doing that <laughs> much better. Point,
1: exactly. I only have one because you made one.
2: <laughs> but the thing is, is that like you, you do all these, you would, you do all those things because that is how you get people to download your paid app. Right. Like, and it's more important when you have a paid upfront app to make sure that all of that stuff is in
0: place. I guess what I meant was less that you don't do it. I have a tendency right. to use words and, fun ways. And it's more that like you're used to not having to do it in app. Like they were two separate processes yeah. for you. And now it's combined. And that's that's more what I meant. And you just you've got to feel you've got to apply the same level of
2: I don't wanna say sleaziness <laughs> yeah. but you've gotta apply that same sort of approach where like when you've moved to something that's freemium from, pay, like from an upfront payment model, now your battlefield is the app. It's not outside the app. Right. It is the app. And the app is the only way that people are going to find to upgrade things. So if you're not doing it or you're shying away from doing it or if you were just like phoning it in, I guess, you're probably not going to see as much conversion as you would hope. Yeah, And so I feel like it's not so much that you are suddenly starting to have to be salesy. You should have always been salesy, even with upfront payment. The thing is, is that like, it feels different within the app and you've got to, you've got to basically just submit yourself to that, to like, to be, to doing that because otherwise you're not going to see the success.
0: Well, and I feel like it was easy when you were relying on sales tactics outside of your app that they were almost known checkboxes you had to check. You had to get your screenshots together. You should have a website. You had to get your app store description, your keywords, all that kind of stuff. There was a great checklist of all the things you needed to do to launch an app. Mm -hmm. And when you are selling in-app, you have to be more creative. And you have to put yourself in the user's shoes a lot more to understand like, okay, they're hitting this screen. Are they feeling a pain point now that I can advertise to? Or is this an inappropriate time to do that? Like you really, I feel like you have to put a lot more thought into the user experience and what they're going through versus when you're making a website, yeah, you have to think about how to sell your features and stuff like that. But like, you don't have to be aware of how they're feeling at that moment. You yeah. you don't have to think quite as extensively.
1: There's no guidebook. I need a guidebook. No,
0: <laughs> that, that's what makes freemium hard. It's yeah, yeah. there's no guide. As much as this episode is now your guide. You're welcome, everyone.
2: <laughs> your guide is that there is no guide.
0: You're on your own. Yes.
2: <laughs>
0: Good luck. So on that note, since we just dropped that knowledge on you, if you would like to get in touch with us, uh, we always love hearing from you. Uh, so you can do so by sending us an email at hello at independence.fm. Or you can find us online. We like to be little social butterflies on Twitter. I think it's just you, Curtis. No. You're the socialist one. No, no, not you the, so- <laughs> the socialist one.
1: I was trying to find like a jelly word and it just turned like the slopes. opposite direction.
0: Uh, butterfly. <laughs> oh, I try and close that. Twitter so I can get work done. All right, all right. Anyway, if you would like to find us online twitter uh you can find me at conrad curtis (laughs) that's the plural of the something (laughs) that's the plural of the conrads
1: i'm the non-socialist eat a duck i must
2: i don't even know where this is going but i am jelly bean soup
0: so congratulations you can follow one of us on twitter and the other (laughs) ones will be 404 it's not and if you'd like to find us again though you can do so again in two weeks we'll talk to you then have a good one